Welcome to the Lead Her Ship podcast with your host, Meredith Franklin. Join me every week as I interview different women who share their stories of success through failure. We will be giving valuable tips on relationships, business, health, mindset, and more to help you lead the life you deserve. I'm so excited you're here. Let's jump in. Today we have my friend Becky, who has over 15 years of experience in marketing, working for agencies, foundations, podcasts, apps, books, subscription services, documentaries, and regional and national events, both in the business-to-business and business-to-consumer sectors. She's the founder and CEO of BH Marketing School to give direct access to her and reliable and confident marketing training. She brings strategy, creativity, out-of-the-box thinking, and an unchanging ability to work collaboratively with any team. I cannot wait for you guys to hear her story. She's going to get really raw and vulnerable with us. I know at the end of this episode, you are going to be inspired and know that you can literally overcome anything in your life. Let's get started. Welcome to our show, everyone. Today, we have my friend Becky Harrington with us. She has overcome so much stuff in the past three years. It's really insane. And when she told me about her story, I literally couldn't believe it. She went from having $23 to her name and living in her van to a six figure business owner. You guys, before I give away too much of her story, Becky, welcome. Hi, it's so great to be here. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm so excited that you're here and I can't wait for these listeners to hear this story and I want them to think about what movie it reminds them of because I totally was like, this sounds like you're just telling me about this movie. It's like a Hallmark Lifetime Channel special. (laughs) Dude, it's straight up the movie Enough with Jennifer Lopez. So (laughs) go ahead and take us back to where it all began. So I have had an incredible career in my life. I've had so many great opportunities that were presented to me. I've worked, um, I'll be celebrating this January, 16 years in marketing. It's one of the loves of my life. And I have worked for agencies and foundations and publishing houses. And I've traveled around the entire country on documentary tours and just really had a wonderful job. I lived in a beautiful community, Fort Collins, Colorado, a little cul-de-sac that like lined the park in a suburban community. And I had two pugs and a husband of just about seven years. And I loved my life. I had great friends and just lots of wonderful opportunities all around me. Then one day, I woke up from a nap and walked into my bathroom and found my husband smoking meth, (laughs) which I didn't know what it was. I had to go on Google and then the Narcotics Anonymous people were like, do you need help? (laughs) And I was like, well, obviously. (laughs) And that just kind of unpacked what I would call like 21 days of horror Um, when I would just find out that my life was really not at all what I thought it was and eventually led to me choosing to go on the road and travel in a horribly awful 1996 Dodge Ram conversion van that looked like a serial killer lived in it. That was actually a safety feature (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) with me and my two pugs. So that is how I ended up starting my company, BH Marketing Firm. And there, Meredith was right. I had $23 (laughs) in my bank account at the time. (laughs) So insane. And I know you were saying like before you and you know you were helping like facebook with advertising and amazon for marketing and advertising like before it was even a thing your community and what you had and picture perfect and then all of a sudden one day everything falls apart to the point where your friends and family weren't safe if you were with them mm-hmm. and you told me like i don't know who it was who's who said like hey you've called us 12 times in 21 days like your yeah. wake up call what was that So we tried over the 21 days. It was my first reaction was, okay, 
I don't know what this is, but we need to get him help. This is my husband. I'm devoted to my marriage. And so we got him into a detox facility. We, the Narcotics Anonymous people helped us organize an intervention and like gave us tips for like what to say. And we got his friends and his family involved and we talked him into going to detox and we did all our homework and found rehab facilities and we had a plan. And that's what I'm really good at is formulating a plan. And, you know, at the time I was definitely in shock, but I was not overly emotional. It was just like, all right, let's get this figured out. Unfortunately, what came alongside that was I started going through my house and our cars and our workshop and just all the things in our life are safe that, you know, just areas that you just don't go into because like, why do you need to? And that just kind of unraveled. It was like peeling off the layer of an onion. Like every day I discovered new things about my life. There were stolen items that I had the police come and confiscate. I found out that he was a suspect for home invasion and that he was having affairs (laughs) and that there was all these other people involved in his life that I didn't know. And they had criminal records and were really scary people that I would never want association with. I started having cars driving by our house multiple times a night. And then when my husband decided not to go into rehab, when he decided that that wasn't what he wanted to do, and my decision from that was, then you can't come home, then the harassment started. And that was debilitating. It was like, I learned a lot about, I think ladies, if you're listening, like, You really need to understand what harassment is because in this day and age, I think we actually undergo so much harassment that we don't understand that harassment is actually a violation of your right. It's a criminal activity. And I didn't even, I was so buried in what was happening that I didn't realize I was being harassed on text messages. I was being harassed by emails. The stalking started. He just broke through doors in our house. I had locks changed. He he wasn't going to leave me alone. And so I just kept trying to like figure out how to make that stop, right? Instead of like use, I was calling the police, but they were like, well, this is your home. Like he has every right to be here. You can't, you know, um, we can't really enforce him to not be here because this is his home. That's the way the law works unless he does something otherwise. But I also didn't understand that just the harassment alone would have granted me grounds for some restraining protection. But we're so used to being harassed that I think we just kind of forget that that's not okay. But unfortunately, what it resulted in is a day when he came to the house and he was out of his mind and held me hostage in my home, prevented me from calling 911, and he was taken away. And that's when victims advocates came into, um, he was arrested and a victim's advocate is assigned to you when that happens, a domestic violence victim's advocate. And those people know what they're doing. This is all they do every day. And she sat me down and said, what's your plan? We would feel much safer if you stayed in a safe house. And I thought that was an overreaction. I thought, well, obviously it's not working for me staying here. I need to go maybe stay with some friends, but you know, safe houses are for people who they don't have friends or family, obviously. So you have to stay there. And I also said things like, you know, I think now that he's been arrested and he sees how serious this is, I think this is just what we needed to escalate to. I'm a very logical person, right? And I mean, I was married to this person for eight years. This is outside of the character of what I understood. And so I was like, yeah, I understand where you're coming from, but this is a suburban neighborhood, obviously. It's like, we're fine here. And she just said, how many times in the last 21 days have you said your husband would never, and then you found out he did? How many times? And I was just like, probably five times a day. And she said, I have to be honest with you. You don't know who your husband is. And the next time you say he would never, you might not be around to see it. And so that is why we would prefer for you to come and stay in a safe house and start to follow some really legit state safety protocols. And she also said, you don't have kids, so you could leave. Where could you go? Could you leave the state? Could you leave your job? And I think that was the, that was the moment that I realized that I couldn't keep everything I had and still have my life. And so I had decided to drive to family's house that was two hours away, and I had a long drive. And I just started being totally honest with God. I just said, 
this isn't fair. This is not fair. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. So why should I have to leave everything that I love and that I've built? This isn't fair. And I think that's a pretty normal response. That's a human response. And as Jesus always is, he just very gently pulled me aside and said, hey, let's get out of here. Let's go on the road, just you and me. We have a lot to put back together. And he said, the thing I'm most concerned about right now is I need for you to be able to trust again. And we're going to have to work on that. And so I just kind of obediently did that. My friends and family thought I was absolutely out of my mind. I spent a few days with my family, just got a break from all of it and didn't have to worry and cleared my head. And I just started to work out my plan. I went back and I put in my notice at a job that I loved and left a community that I adored. I stayed in a safe house until I did leave. And I packed up all of my stuff and moved into, we had this family van that my sister and I had commandeered. Our parents were going to get rid of it. It was worth nothing but valuable memories. And so with the help of my uncle, we fixed it up so that I could safely live out of it. And I hit the road and I lived in Utah, Idaho, Oregon. And I started my business <laughs> with nothing. And it was a beautiful time in my life. And I learned a lot about like what really matters to me. Yeah. yeah that is so scary. And so, I mean, it's so real. And I know that there've got to be some women, like you were telling me, I was like, I have women in my life who say things so like it's normal. And I'm like, hmm, that's actually not normal. Like what you're going through, what they're doing to you, that's not okay. And so I know like when you're living in it too, mm -hmm. like, you're like, but it's, no, it's fine. Like I'm fine. And you don't see it. Like, I'm so glad that those people came in and spoke to you and were like, listen, if you don't leave, you won't be alive to tell like the story. So I think that was critical and so good that you listened. And, and when you went to the safe house too, you said that was the first time you actually slept. It was. Yeah. Because I, of all the locks or whatever, right? Safety is a weird thing. I think that we actually most of the time feel pretty safe and we take that for granted. And there were two instances where I really learned what safety was. And one of them was I tried staying at friends' houses and that didn't work out. And I just couldn't sleep. I was one eye open every single night. So I decided to go to the safe house. And there were people who were like, oh, Becky, my husband, he would never, like, you stay here. You're going to be fine. And there was all these deliberate plans about how I was going to leave my car here. And then they would pick me up and drive me and all these elaborate things. And I finally just was like, I got to do something. And so I went through and here's what that experience is like. You show up and, you know, it's, there's an intake registration process and they actually take all of your belongings and they put them in this giant machine that actually checks for bugs and they debug every single item, your phone, your computer, everything gets debugged so that if you have had something placed on you without your knowledge. And from what I learned, that can be as, that can be as simple as like a little sticker on a piece of clothing. So they go through and they, they debug all of your items. And then you go through a series of getting fingerprinted for fingerprint locks. You get a series of codes. There's different codes for different doors. It's a lot to remember. But you basically, when you get into the compound, you go through security past fence where you park your car. Then you go into a security coded door. Then you go through a thumbprint door. Then you go through another security printed door. And then you get access into like your community. And then your individual bedroom has its own security code. So there's a lot of safety measures within the community. And I slept on this plastic twin mattress better than I had slept in three weeks. I just crashed for the first time. And every night that I slept there, I just slept soundly because I knew that I was safe. And 
when you're not safe, that's a big deal. And so it's really, those safe houses are designed not just for your physical protection, but I think also to give you the rest that you need to make better decisions mentally and emotionally. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And you said that you'd seen children there too, and that they're resilient and like protecting their parents and stuff. That's got to be hard to see because you're like, I'm an adult, you know, for a child to go through something like that. Crazy. But okay. You also said that you were the type of person that opportunity was the kind of thing that you ignored most of your life and that you were really like a play it safe type of person. Yeah. I was working a great job, but it was also a safe job. And I knew I had known for a few years that there was another opportunity for me. And a lot of people would make comments like, why haven't you gone on out on your own? You could make so much more money. And I knew it and I even wanted it. But I also wanted the security so much more and the stable environment. And I had so many friends. I'd go to work and it was just like all the people I loved were there. And so why take any risks? And I even inside of that building, while I innovated a lot there, there was a lot of risk that I was still getting pushed into. And I was really not maximizing full Becky in my everyday life. But when I had to go out on my own and start my own business... I was forced into having to, what I would say is like, if you're driving a car and you're going like, you're going a safe speed, you're going 65 miles per hour on the freeway and that's the speed limit and you're, you're driving safely and you're not slow. You're not like driving 30 miles on the freeway. Like I was going a steady 65 miles and I was very happy staying in the right hand lane and just coasting. And what happened was that all of this forced me into a position where I had to go 85 miles, 95 miles. I would say that 2020 is how fast can this car go? (laughs) And it's really pushed me to, I wouldn't say go outside of my comfort zone. Everything I'm doing, I'm very comfortable with, but I'm putting myself out there in a way that I hadn't done in a really long time. And it's, been really good. It's been a really good experience. Yeah. And you said to me, this was such a good quote. I loved it. I wrote it down. God used catastrophe to burn it all to the ground for you to grow out of it. Yeah. I'm sure that this won't come as a surprise to most people who have been following Jesus, but beauty out of ashes was something that was spoken over me so many times in this process as people prayed and asked God, like, what can I say? people would just come up to me and say, Becky, I just beauty out of ashes. And the thing about that is we think about the beauty part, but we don't think about the ashes that in order for the ashes to be there in the first place, something had to be lit on fire and all of it had to be burned. There's actually nothing left. It's growing out of the ashes, not out of, oh, well, it burned 50% of it and the the 50% that was left, the beauty part grew out of that. No, it grew out of the burnt part. And so Beauty out of ashes is such an encouraging thing to say to people, but what we forget sometimes is how painful it was to watch all of the burning happen. And my friends stood as we burned things. And I really don't have, I had to lose, I had to lose everything in order to get where I am today. But the pain that you experience in the burning, it stays with you for a very long time. I don't want to say forever because I want to believe that it won't be there forever, but it stays for a very long time and you don't forget it. Yeah. And your friends were like a massive part of that. You know, they helped you pack up your house. And so you were like, they used bubble wrap and so delicately. (laughs) And now I think you said like 32 pieces of clothing or something like that. Yeah. But I was, then you didn't learn. I was down to a, mini, a legit minimalist wardrobe. I had been talking about being a minimalist for a long time, but I was a legit minimalist. Yeah. 32 pieces of clothing is all I could fit in the van because obviously I had to take a lot of books with me. So <laughs> I had my priorities. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was really interesting. When I went back to my storage unit after all of this and I finally got to get my stuff back, I had. I think six of those like yard size trash bags full of clothes. Like that's a lot of clothes. I like clothes and I was so excited to get back to them. Like I couldn't even really remember what was there, but I was so excited and I unpacked them and I didn't want any of them. I did not keep, but maybe a handful of things 
I just looked at it and it, none of it even felt like me anymore. I had grown into such a different person that even my clothes didn't fit on my back anymore. And so I actually ended up donating not just the clothes, but most of what was in that storage unit went to the Goodwill. Yeah. And I think that that's probably from the growth, from the ashes, you're like, I need to just purge all of this and like start over. I can see how that would feel for me. I just feel like, okay, let's just not. And because maybe because you lived in a van for how long did you live in your van? So I think it was probably a half a year all told. And I moved into, I got to summertime and I had planned right? It seems like camping is a summer thing, not a winter thing, but I didn't have air conditioning. And so I had a heater that worked off of a marine battery. So it was actually pretty cozy in there in the winter. But when I hit the summer months, it was so hot and it was going to be more expensive to try and figure out how to get an air conditioning unit that could run off of a marine battery than to move into government assistance housing in Oregon. Um, It was a motel room. So like it was an old school motel room that was converted into an apartment. So it was just like one room with a bathroom. There was no kitchen. So I had to get like a hot plate. There was like a little bar sink and a refrigerator, small refrigerator. And I got a futon because that was basically all that could fit. And I would convert that from my bedroom to my office every day. And so I was taking clients and most people thought that that was my office. They thought it was like an office rental because it looked like the futon had like, you know, it looked like a couch and a little table. The table actually, it was a chest and I would stuff my bedding into there. So it looked like a coffee table and then behind me just looked like maybe an office's coffee bar. Like that's probably what it looked like to them. They didn't know that that was my home and I had a plastic folding table that I would work off of every day. And so that's where I built everything (laughs) out of crazy. And you were like, I need air conditioning for my dogs and myself and how much money, because you were saying it was how much money in order to pay for this housing. So it was government assistance, but I had to come up with $1,200 for the three months. And that was like not an option. If I could come up with $1,200 to put down, then they would basically like cover the rest. And so Um, work right away. (laughs) I had no money. So I had a contract that I thought was going to come through and they just kept being like, oh, well, we're going to decide. And then they decided to wait three months. And so I was like, wow, okay, now that's not going to happen. So I went to the public library and I just sat down at my computer and I just did whatever work I could. Anything that came my way, I just, you need website copy written, you need an email done, you need this. It wasn't glamorous work, but I just went on any work I found, I did. And I made $2,400 in less than three days. And I had enough money to give them for the housing and also to put some aside so that that I wouldn't feel so stressed if something like that came out again. And I learned something extremely valuable that day. And this was probably like month three of my business. (laughs) So (laughs) given the fact that I had gone into like complete homelessness, everything was displaced in my life. I probably should give myself more credit, but I was so lost in how to really get things going. And after that day, I was no longer confused. It's very simple. Actually, if you want to be in business, it's very simple. You have a skill. People want to pay for it. You can spend all your time on Instagram. You can spend all of your time on your website and getting everything perfect, or you can just go find people who need what you do. And in the beginning, it may not be your ideal thing. If you're stuck in a belief that you just have to wait for like the perfect thing, it doesn't start like that. Just go find people who have money to pay you for the skills that you have and do that every single day. And eventually you'll get to a point where you can say, well, I don't really want to do this kind of business anymore. And you'll stop doing that. That's a different problem. (laughs) You have to wait to get to that problem. (laughs) And once I changed my mindset about that, everything else in my business came into alignment. 
And I graduated from nothing to a six-figure business within less than a year. Yeah. And you, you went on Upwork, you know, you set all your skills and these people who hired you were like, well, you're way overqualified for <laughs> the people that I've been talking to. You're like way overqualified. But from those, I think you said three people, you got referrals. Is yeah. That so three of those people had just come on to hire for a really small thing, but what they were actually looking for in the meantime was somebody who could take over all their marketing. And so three of those people actually turned out to be some of my biggest clients that I have today who have gone on to refer more business to me. So that day that I picked up a Facebook ad that was like, turn and burn, get it done. Here's a hundred dollars, go on your way, turned into a $10,000 or more a year client. That's crazy. And I know you and I were talking about how you obviously had a burning desire and a need right now. I need this right now. So I'm going to put, but like you were saying, there's some people who are just like, maybe they don't really have that burning desire. Maybe they don't really need it that bad and they're comfortable, but there was this, I need this now. I have to do something. And so you got to work. It's amazing what happens when you have no plan B and you're literally hungry. And when that happens, your mind shifts. And it was such a gift that day. I will never forget what a gift that day was. And when I talk to a lot of female entrepreneurs, especially if it's a side hustle or you're a mompreneur and you have a primary caregiver who's taking care of all of the finances for you at home, there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's great. Awesome. <laughs> Good for you. But it can be a hindrance because it can make you feel like it's not that urgent. And so what I encourage people now to think about is how do I make it feel urgent? What if I just said that by this date, I'm going to take over 50% of our mortgage every single month. And it was in my mind, not optional for me to do that. Instead of seeing your money as like extra, which I think is sometimes, sometimes how we think like, oh, I just, I'm making extra money so we can go on vacation. I'm making extra money so that we can send our kids to college or whatever and see it as necessary income to get where you want to go and rethink about it that way because it was a gift. It really showed me something inside me that I didn't really know that I had. And also it shifted my perspective on what it looks like when you have to take a risk because you have no other option. Yeah, exactly. And almost like, like if I try to put myself in that position right now, it's like my confidence level goes high and I'm like, I am confident. I'm going to sell myself right now. But it's funny when you're comfortable, how difficult it is to sell yourself. I don't know yeah. why it's this like mind game, but when you are in a place where you're like, I have to provide right now, I will do whatever it takes. You lay your life on the line. All fear goes away and you just do it. It's amazing. You show up in a completely different way. And that way that you show up isn't just beneficial to you. That way that you show up is so much more beneficial to your clients too. They can sense the difference when you are all in with it and you're not. And they may not be able to pinpoint what it is, but there's some kind of attitude. And when someone comes in and with that level of determination and confidence, they can't turn you away because they know that no matter what, you're going to figure it out. Even if you don't have the skill set right now, you'll figure it out. So they, yeah. they have full confidence in you. Yeah, totally. And I feel like that's how a lot of inventors, a lot of entrepreneurs that are wildly successful, I feel like that's how it is. That lady who invented the mop. Like, you know, I just think of these people, like, it's like, this is what I have. This is all I have. I need to make it work. You also said about your girls in Bend, Oregon recently that you've been working with. Let's kind of talk about that, how you helped them, how like small entrepreneurial women who maybe make things, crafting, whatever, how you help them with their marketing plan. So I started networking locally here. Most of my clients are like on the East and West coast and they have pretty substantial budgets. I wouldn't say that they're, I don't know that they're small businesses because a lot of them have financing either from another business venture that they've done or they're being financed. So there's, there's money that's available to them. Right. But I moved and I really wanted to make friends. And I really like, I identify better with women who are entrepreneurs because there's just a different kind of mindset. Those are the kinds of women I wanted to hang out with. So I thought, well, I'll join some of the local networking groups here and I'll just start getting involved in the events. And 
my goal was just to add value to my community. And so I joined a group and just let them know about my skills and offered to start doing training for them. And they were more than happy to have me do that. So I started doing pretty regular trainings to entrepreneurs. And we have this incredible group in Bend of like makers. They're like 3D printing in their garages and making gluten-free pancake mixes that are distributed through Whole Foods and like just really incredible like clay earrings that are beautiful. And just, I'm in, oh my gosh, this one girl, Tate Nadell, if you have kids, go on Instagram, Tate Nadell. She hand makes these Scandinavian kids clothes that like will make you want to have more kids. I think. So they're so cute. She can't stop sewing. Basically she sews every piece by hand shoes, all of it. It's amazing. So all of these incredible women, but one thing is that they're just out of space in their business where they're not going to be able to pay someone $1,200 a month to come on retainer. And they would get so much out of the training. And a lot of times they would just be like, gosh, Becky, like if I could just have you like to be able to talk to if I need help. And so I'm a big believer that if your customer is telling you a problem, like it's your job to figure out the solution, right? So I can't obviously be working for free. That's also not an option, ladies. (laughs) Working for free is not an option, even if you feel like you want to. (laughs) So I decided to come up with a concept called BH Marketing School. And it kind of started out of a holiday boot camp that I did. Preparing for holiday marketing is legit important. When I was in publishing, we started holiday marketing meetings in July, people. In July, new websites were being made. People were working on email campaigns. Like we were planning out our discount codes. We had spreadsheets of discounts codes. Like it was a legit season of planning that, that really went on almost all year long. It never stopped really for Christmas because if we didn't make Christmas, we were dead in the water. And a lot of these women were selling gift-related items. So I thought, they need this knowledge. So I did this four-day boot camp, holiday boot camp. And out of that, I just really realized that quarterly accountability was something that people really needed. Just that chance to slow down and take the time to think through what's happening three months from now (laughs) as a small business was a value. And then also just picking my brain. Like I, I get people who are like, can you just take a look at this SEO contract? Do I need this? Do I need this plan? What does this even mean? I don't even know what it says, Becky. And just that simple advice was really valuable. So BH Marketing School is a community where you can join office hours every single week and you can bring those kinds of things to me. Becky, would you read my website copy? What do you think? Should I change something? And just right there on the spot, I can give direction and guidance and help people feel a little bit better. And then also quarterly accountability. So every quarter we're doing boot camps where we're looking at the seasonal holidays that are coming three months from now. And we're talking about what you have to do in order to be best planned for that and all of the ways that you can maximize your opportunities. And then monthly training on like, what the heck is SEO? And can I do some of that myself? The answer is yes. SEO is really not as complicated as it used to be. It's a lot simpler now. And there's a lot of, I'm just going to help decode basically some of these things that make people feel intimidated about marketing and bring it to small businesses in a way. So the monthly training resource center, there will be new ones added every single month. I'll bring in experts, but they're basically like, if you need to DIY and bootstrap this thing for a while until you can afford to pay experts, you can get the training to figure out that. That's really cool. And then you also, so like, tell me who that's for. So you've worked with podcasters, authors. So who is this for? Is it for network marketers? Like, yeah, tell us who needs this in their life. Actually, we have a group of young living network marketers in the group already, and they actually have their own tribe that we created within there so that they can talk to each other about things that are working in their different sectors and whatnot. But yeah, it's anybody who is marketing a product or a service or who is doing network marketing, you can come in and we have 
training for all of you. We even have some great templates that work specifically for different kinds of businesses. And there will be, you know, things like social media holiday calendars and all of the things that you really just need that are basic, that you don't need to be spending all this time creating all by yourself. <laughs> and the, it's, it's also a community-based platform. So it's kind of like a Facebook group. It's on a platform called Mighty Network. There's an app attached to it. So you can just use the app on your phone and you can join discussion groups. You can participate in, in community with other people, but then also participate in the live trainings and the live office hours. That's so cool. Um, when you told me about that, I'm like, okay, we need to talk about this. We need to get it out there. We need more people to know about it because I think that's like the biggest missing piece that you were saying is people are not prepared for the holidays at all. And they're asking you like on, you know, November 27th, Hey, help me. You're like, it's too late, girl. Like, you're like, girl, we started that in September. Yeah, It's over. Sorry about <laughs> it. Like you're a little behind. Maybe um, let's talk about Valentine's day. <laughs> right. Seriously. So you guys contact her. We're going to give you all the ways to contact her. How much is that per month to be a so, part of that? So there's two ways. If you don't want to join the monthly membership, then we do also have access to like you can come to the quarterly boot camp and you can just pay just for that if you want. So if you go to bhmarketingfirm.com slash upcoming training, you can see the upcoming trainings that are in January. So there's the quarterly boot camp is January 9th. That's the next one, which we'll be talking about Easter. We'll be talking about Valentine's Day. We'll be talking about all of the little holidays, graduation is sometimes a big one for people, but all of the upcoming seasonal sales opportunities, it's your time to look three months ahead and be accountable to your marketing. So you can pay just for that. That's $69.99 if you just want to attend a boot camp, but then it's $49.99 a month to come into BH Marketing School and you'll get access to the quarterly boot camp. Plus you can come to office hours every week. Plus you also get to have free access to anything in the training resource center. Right. That's so beneficial. You did say, I wrote this down and I was like, Hmm, you said that podcasting is 10 times mm -hmm. more. Is it beneficial or like gets to, it has 10 times the ROI of a blog post. So Crazy. because the thing about blog posts is that people don't actually read them. They just kind of see the title and then they skim to the part where you have bullets. And this has been survey reported a lot of people will say, I don't even know where I read that. So there was no brand recognition. They may have consumed the information, but they don't even remember you. So they saw the title, they skipped to the bullet points, they took your free economy information, and they don't even know that you did it for them. So you didn't really even get any benefit for it. Whereas podcasters, when someone listens to a podcast, they develop a personal relationship with you. It's a very intimate experience for them and they know you personally. And so even if you have way less podcast listeners, like you could have, so think about that, like one tenth of the blog readers, it's going to be a much larger ROI because people are going to be so much more invested in your personal brand and who you are. And they're much more likely to buy, not just from what you're selling, but anything that you talk about. Yeah. That was fascinating to me. I didn't even realize that, but I, that makes so much sense because I'll read something and be like, I don't even know where I got it, but I heard it somewhere, <laughs> read it somewhere. Okay. Why don't you tell us um, your number one thing for someone who went through what you did what is like one thing right now that you can help that woman with? Like what should they do if they're going through what you did with your ex-husband? So the first thing that you need to do is I would reach out to your local safe house. Every single city has one and they are usually attached to an entire resource area. Once I got access to them, which I could have had access to them without having the police involved. I just didn't know. There's not just the safe house. They also handled every legal aspect of anything I went through, including my full divorce. I did not have to pay for a divorce lawyer. They handled all of it for me because of being a victim of domestic violence. There is so many resources available to you. So if your first worry is, well, how could I pay for this? take that out of your mind. 
because there is so many financial resources. There's grants for you to go back to school. There's grants for you to start a business. There are so many resources and opportunities and people are just waiting for you to come and and ask for help. So get help and they can also educate you on what's okay and what's not okay if you're wondering. (laughs) The second thing I would say is that I was so concerned about what I was losing. I was so concerned. I was consumed in it. I just really like the 21 days that I didn't leave was all about things. It was about my couch that I loved. It was about the credenza that I handpicked out. It was about my comfort of my community. It was about things. And I thought they were so important and I thought I had worked so hard to surround myself with them and that I could not lose them. And I just want you to know this may, you probably have heard it a million times. It doesn't matter. (laughs) You can go buy new things. And maybe if you get out of this situation and you truly rise, like you'll be able to buy more things than you ever imagined you could buy for yourself. So there's a whole other life out there for you and it's totally attainable and it's okay. And the last thing I would say is I'm 38 years old. I am no spring chicken. And I truly vulnerably was like, I'm wasted. My best years have been wasted. Who could ever love me? I'll never find someone. All the good guys are taken. I'm just going to say all the lies that you've probably said to yourself. That is also not true. It's also not true. I know that Meredith, you're connected to Isogenics. I have a whole Isogenics story that's attached to this. During this time, I actually worked with Kayla Craft. You guys may know that. She helped me lose 43 pounds that I had gained just from stress and all this stuff. And she was my personal coach. And the Isogenics products are something that I use every single day. They are deeply connected to me because they helped me get so much of that yuck out of my body. And so I just want you to know that the enemy wants you to believe all that stuff, those, those little lies, and they're just not true. There's a great life out there for you. And there are women who would just, they would ride or die for you to help you. Right. Yes. It's so true. And you met your now boyfriend and I like this story. I think this is something that you should share because Hey, you were on a mission. You're like, I'm not here to mess around. So I think you should give your tips on how you met him. So I needed to do something. I was, this is when I got to Bend, Oregon and I was house sitting for my sister and she was away on her honeymoon. And so I like was in this beautiful place. Like Bend is gorgeous. It's like a little slice of heaven. And I didn't know anyone. My sister had just moved here too. So she didn't like have anybody like, oh, here's some friends for you to hang out. Like, no, we didn't know anybody. So I was like, gosh, like I just want to like be able to hang out with somebody. So I thought, why not online dating? So I didn't ever have to do that because I was like too old to have to do that. Um, I think eHarmony may have existed when I was like in that area, but like that was like for people who were desperate. So, you know, it just wasn't like the norm. Now I understood like online dating, that was how you did things. So I read some articles, did my research. I joined all the platforms because I just figured like you should just really like test them all out. I entered Tinder as and exited as fast as I entered. So there you go not a good place. Let's just stay away from that one. And then I just, I put up a profile and I got 14 dates in 14 days. So I will just tell you my tips for that. First of all, one of the articles that I read that was really well-written, it was in the New York times, was that 80% of online dating communication never leaves online dating because the guy is satisfied with just the online chatting. He's getting his free download and that's all he needs. So I just didn't do that, ladies. If they got a back and forth, I put a lot of effort into my profile. If they read it, it was very explanatory. It was my landing page, right? I'm in marketing. I know how to do benefit copywriting. So I would just fire back and be like, if you want to go on a date, then let me know. And if they didn't, then that was it. End of conversation. And it was like a 90% return on investment. So just FYI, don't do the whole chatting, chatting, chatting. It's not, no. So my 14th date, and I was just going to do this for two weeks. That's what I told myself. I told all my friends, I'm just doing it for two weeks. 
I'm going to get a chance to see bend and like have people to hang out with. And then I'm shutting the profiles down and I'm peace out. And I met Nick on the 14th date and we've been together for just about a year and like six months or seven months, something like that. So I love how it was like the last one, you know, you're like, this is my last one. I'm not going to do it. And then it's like, well, ta-da, ta-da, the perfect one. Yeah. And that's why I ended up coming back and moving permanently to Bend after all of it was all done. Yeah. Wow. So then you, you moved back to Colorado for a little bit and then Mm -hmm. I had to move back to Colorado for the trials and all the stuff. And then I wasn't sure I was staying with my aunt. I wasn't sure what I was going to do after that. And then he called and was like, so you legit need to move here. And so I did. I love it. That's so great. Okay. Just a few more questions and then we'll wrap it up. I've just had so much fun chatting with you. Uh, You have so much value, you guys. I don't, I want them to understand how much knowledge and wisdom you have. Like she's had almost 16 years of marketing in her wisdom. And so you guys can gain all of that from her. So she's worked with pod. You had a pod, have a podcast. I do quite a few different podcasts. If you guys are familiar with more than me, I'm the host of the more than me podcast. I've been on a podcast for three years that's called Paying Ridiculous Attention to Jesus. And I don't know if we're going to go into our next season, but there's like four years, three years, four years of that. We have over 10,000 listeners, but I don't know if the company is going to continue it into 2020. And then I just, I do a smattering, like you can, if you're really interested in college admissions advice, I co-host a (laughs) podcast called the Earning Admissions Podcast. It's very valuable information. I co-host it with this guy who's like a leading college admissions expert. So when your kids get to that level, I highly recommend listening to that. But yeah, I launched the podcast division at Group Publishing and I co-hosted the internal podcast and then I helped all of our authors launch their podcasts. I launched 12 podcasts this year through my consulting program. And also there's another one you can listen to. It's called They Say Podcast. It's not creating new episodes, but there's like two years of them. And it was me and two of my best friends all women related issues like how to hygge your home and what's a hygge like the danish art of cozy it you have to listen to this oh. we did a three part series on like how to incorporate the danish art of hygge into your everyday life where we like took the challenge we did like dieting experiments it's That's really funny so it's a christian fun. podcast for women I love it. Um, but you can still find it. So yeah, I, podcasting has been a love of my life. I love it. I mean, you're so fun on podcasts and you've got crazy stories. Um, so with authors though, so you also like helped publish and market authors. Well, yeah, that was my job in publishing. I worked with, you know, I was in the consumer division. So any consumer related book was assigned to me. I also did like regional events, national conferences, documentaries. We had the kids subscription box. We had a college, like, so when kids are going out way to college, it was called Soul Feed. And it was a monthly care package for your kid's soul in college. And so lots of different, um, I basically marketed every kind of product under under the sun. And you were like the beta test or what were you for Facebook and and Amazon? Yeah. So for Facebook and Amazon, I beta tested their advertising platforms. I'm a Facebook preferred advertising partner and I still do beta testing with them for new products. So I have a class that's in the resource, a free resource inside BH Marketing School. And it's how to set up business manager and how to to run ads on Facebook. It's a step-by-step guide that walks you through the whole process. And so if that's something that you're interested in, in 2020, I highly recommend that course. It's an hour. If you go through Facebook, they also have training. And that one hour that I did, they take 16 hours to do it and they make it so confusing. Plus they don't really have good insights on like what works for different businesses. So I give a lot of insights on that. I love it. That is so great. So you guys are going to grab all of that with her society, her network. So we'll have all of that linked in the show notes. And um, before we get going, let us know, tell us Becky, we want to hear from you because everyone has a different, I feel like everyone has a different thought about this, but what does leadership mean Hmm. to you? I think it's definitely rooted in, in the word responsibility. And that is a really hard thing to do as an entrepreneur. I'll tell you some of my leadership (laughs) rules. I wear real pants every day. (laughs) And I, I know it's so fun to work at home and like do it in your pajamas or stay with your workout clothes on. 
But for me personally, if I'm not wearing real pants, I can't do real work. So I dress for the office every single day. I get up and I, I get dressed like I used to when I was going to publishing. And I'm not like, I didn't have to wear a suit and tie. I worked in a very casual work environment. So like jeans were okay, but I dress like I went to work. I put on my full face of makeup. I do my hair. I take a shower and (laughs) I have breakfast. And then I go to my office, um, which is in my home. But I go to my office and I work there. And when I'm done, I close the door and I leave it there. So for me, that is a big role in creating accountability for myself because otherwise I would be a workaholic that's just really always working. I would probably watch more Hallmark movies than create websites. And when I'm not dressed and put together, I don't give my best creativity. So that's one of the ways that like I would say I lead my ship. (laughs) I love that. I think that's really critical. And it's, it's like when you get dressed, you, you feel, I mean, it creates different posture and you just can go and hit the road. And I like that you leave the stuff in the office. I'm so terrible at that. And I need to get better. Actually, Karina and I were talking about this, like how can we use, you know, have our phones and have social media on our phones in a healthy way, because we know how beneficial it is, but it can take over your life and consume you. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of trying to play with that right now. And I think Mighty Networks is a great way to be in an office and then leave it. So, yeah, it's so true. And just play with notifications on your phone or like, I like to use the do not disturb setting. So it creates do not disturb goes on at 6 PM every single day. And it doesn't come on until 6 AM the next day. And so I don't get any of those Instagram notifications. I have another friend who's an entrepreneur and she's one of the most, she's actually on They Say podcast with me. She's one of the most disciplined people naturally. Like it's not hard. She doesn't have to work at it. Discipline just came to her naturally. Like the Lord just blessed it on her life at two years old. And she's been that way ever since she was, she was writing her own curriculum for herself, summer curriculum for herself. When she was like 12, she would write a summer curriculum that she would follow when she was out of school. She's just legit like organized discipline, but she doesn't, she takes her purse with her phone, hangs it in the office and plugs it in and closes the door. And she doesn't even, she doesn't use her phone as an alarm clock. She doesn't see her phone again until the next morning. So, wow, that is, so Karina and I were saying, it's kind of like, you know, if you are on a diet and you can't have sugar, so you get rid of all the sugar out of the home, that's going to make life so much easier. It's not a temptation because when we both got off of social media. We just got off. It was cold turkey and it was so much easier than having the the temptation on your phone. So now that it's on our phone, it's like, okay, I have to check in. I've got to get on it. And so if we have that discipline of, okay, putting it somewhere, locking it away, it's going to be easier. It's almost, I don't know. It's like, I have this temptation in my home and I, I'd rather just get rid of it completely. Yeah, totally. (laughs) can't because it is, it is, there are positive things to it, but Yeah. 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 It's definitely one of those things that I think everybody has to just define their own rules. But I think the thing about leading your own self is that you have to understand that you have to create rules for yourself. Yeah. I will put myself in a grown up timeout if I have to. Like, Becky, you're on timeout. Yeah. You need to think about what you're doing here. And that's (laughs) leading your ship. (laughs) Yeah, totally. You don't need your parents to do that anymore. You have to do it for yourself. (laughs) Right. Wake up call. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You are such a light and thank you for all your wisdom and sharing so vulnerably and openly with us about your story. I know that it's going to help some women either wake up into the situation that they're in and hopefully be able to get out in a safe way or at least help them prepare themselves for whatever might happen. But thank you so much for being here. You are such a gift. Thank you. I'll see you later. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, let us know. I love hearing from you guys. Tag me on Instagram and make sure you subscribe and leave me a review and tell us what you loved most about this podcast. Don't forget to send this episode to someone in your life who you know needs to hear this message. I love adding value to all of you. So thank you so much for listening and sharing. It means the world to me.